What's happening in the canine industry? For all the latest news, views and expert opinions, stay right here for the canine paradigm. You'll hear from industry leaders, experts, doyens of the industry, learned colleagues, movers and shakers, and the odd Randy guest. Get the latest insights and expert advice from both here and abroad from the people in the know. Now, here are your hosts, Glenn Cook and Pat Stewart. And I'm Lofty Fulton, and I'm out of here. Glenn, Pat. It's time for new ads. It is time for new ads. They have new sponsors. But we've also got some remaining ones as of well course. that we've got to bless them. So it turns out we're actually behind because people jumped into our Patreon and sent us much money and we didn't realise. Until they said, oh, what's happening? Yeah. Hey, where's our ads? Yeah. Here it is. We're doing it. You know where you should get dog training equipment in North America now? Who? Mojo Dog Co. Mojo Dog Co. Yeah, mojodogco.com mm. is a website. There's a real store. It's in Chicago. Yep. But it's a website you can totally go to and they pretty much sell everything. They've got mills. They've got training gear. They've got apparel. There's food. There's dog beds. Like it's a legit store. I've and been you've there. been there, I've you? been there, yeah. Yeah, you've I, witnessed I, it firsthand. You've I, smelt um, the odors. You've tasted the food. You've run on the mills. I committed theft. I stole a tub. <laughs> <laughs> I think I was allowed to take it. Too late now. I've got it. I, yeah. I, I just trained with it today. So basically he's paying us Patreon money for you to steal his toys. Yeah. It's okay. a it's a great Klein tug. It's fantastic. A Klein tug? Yeah. Oh, it's excellent. You know who else sells a Klein tug? Who? The Buffhead. The OG Buffhead. Really? Yes, he does. He does. Yeah. He, he, in fact, he does. I got from the Buffhead a Klein flirt pole which all the dogs favour over all the other ones. Really? Yes. They you like shouldn't that. allow toy preferences, Len. <laughs> <laughs> I don't. They do. They choose what they want. We have two places that you could get dog training equipment. Yes. MojoDogCode.com. Yeah, in North America. Yeah. And Einzawiener.Buffed. Yep. (laughs) (laughs) You know what? You know what's a really cool product? The Rowdy Hound Dog Kennel. It's the kennel that attaches, like it's a crate that attaches to your motorcycle. Yeah. So you can take your dog anywhere that you're traveling if you own a motorcycle and yep. you want to take your dog with you. If safely, I owned a motorcycle, safely, if safely. I owned a motorcycle or a dog that wanted to ride one, yep. I would 100% get one. I own a motorcycle. You should get one. I should get one. You should get one. I can see you a little Frenchy hanging yep. off the back of your motorbike. Mm. Yeah, I think that Mando would probably cause me to come off my bike. He yeah. would probably rock around like crazy on yeah. that thing. But yeah, a little Frenchie. little dog like what George Kittredge does, mm-hmm. who's a wonderful bloke and a dear friend of ours. Sponsor of the show. Sponsor of the show. And he takes his little blue healer, which mm-hmm. is an Australian dog. Mm-hmm. And George has been out here in Australia. He knows all about Australia. He mm-hmm. stayed in Australia. He's done it all. Mm-hmm. But he actually takes his little blue healer. And he rides her all around the state and he teaches other people how to do it as well with their dogs. So not only does he sell the product, but he trains people on how to use it as well. That's great. It is. You know, he should get everybody to do a big road trip up to Canada. Yeah. You know what they could do in Canada? What's that? Go to Dan Croft. Ah, Dan Croft. Geez, they could watch a puppy class there, couldn't they? Oh, yeah, absolutely. And they're doing seminars as well. Really? Yeah, they've got seminars, they've got teaching, they've got education. But as I spoke to Daniel, who runs Dan Croft, Mm -hmm. he was telling me all about their amazing puppy classes and they do some kick-ass social media. Yeah, they do. They've got some pretty extreme type of breeds over there that they've got them all under perfect control, like all these American staffies. They've got all these bull breeds that people complain about, whinge about and say they can't be trained. And Mm -hmm. Dan Croft has them doing not only beautiful stays, but they also have them on balls. Mm. So they have the dog, you know, like inside a tire and the dog's doing beautiful drop stays while they're at peace and at harmony and somebody's walking around. All the owners are there with the dogs. They're having a great time. Incredible. Yeah. I bet those dogs are well conditioned and healthy. Yep. How would they do that? Probably the best way is to get yourself some canineceuticals. Hey, you've been using it. I have actually. No shit. Like jokes aside, Remy was circling the drain. He was in bad shape. And yeah. I said to Narelle, hey, I want to try and get him back in condition, mm. see how much longer I can get from him. Because like the mind is willing, but the body is weak. Yep. And so she hooked me up with all the right things and he's a million times better. In fact, he's actually better than he has been in you know probably two years. And you did a really cool social media content for Narelle the other day, which he really appreciated. I make sweet reels, bro. You do. You yep. are pretty good with your reels. Again, all jokes aside, I'm not just saying this because Narelle's my wife. I make this very clear, but she, what? Is, 
She's actually a genius with that sort of stuff. Oh, yeah, yeah. When other people are sort of relaxing and kicking back, I know people are busy and they've got things to do, but Narelle reads white papers. She's doing everything. She's always looking how she can improve the standards in a dog's life. Like, she actually amazes me. She's Mm. very, very industrious. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, Mojo Dog Co. Yep. Ein's a wiener. Ein's a wiener. Mm -hmm. Rowdy Hound. Rowdy Hound. Dan Dan Croft. Croft. Canon Suticals. Yep. Thank you all very, very much. You guys sponsor the show. If you want to support the show, support them. Yeah, the place to get the gear. Yeah. And if you get into Patreon and you tick that box, just know that we don't check that very often. <laughs> yeah, so you've got to tell <laughs> you us. You've got you to, you you to shoot us a message. Yeah, it's fine for you to let us know. We really appreciate you. We'd started off our shows talking about some of our new attributes, things that we've got. Yeah. And we would never have got that without Patreon support. It's That's Patreon right. that pays our bills. All right. Enjoy the show. And our sponsors. Enjoy the sponsors. <laughs> Welcome back to the Canine Paradigm. I'm your host, Pat Stewart. I'm joined in studio today by my co-host, Glenn Cook. We've had two weeks of guests and now we're back. Just you and me. You know what's amazing? What's that? I can see you. Now we have to tell everyone. Thank you, Patreon. Thank we you. We bought new microphone arms. We're Joe Rogan fancy. Yeah. Are we not allowed to like Joe Rogan anymore? Didn't someone say they stopped listening to us because yes, we were did. Joe Rogan fans? Yes, they did. That was actually interesting. And I questioned them over the motive of saying that. Well, it was targeted at you, I think, that, <laughs> that, that, that they didn't like the fact that you were mentioning Joe Rogan so much and then made a <laughs> allegation that he was a white supremacist or okay. something like that. Oh, well. I think he's actually very far from. I think he really loves and embraces the black community and any other communities. And yeah, it, whatever. Anyway, yeah, we got the same crazy. mic arms that he does. Mm. So the, very cool. it's the OCY Ultima low profile. Thank you very much, Patreon. Mm-hmm. The reason we got these is when you're sitting across the table from each other and you've got the arm mics, you're obscured by the arms. They're in your face yeah. all the time and you have to like dodge around the table. Whereas with these, we didn't get them just because of Joe Rogan. We got them because they're, they're we got them because they're Daddy Rogan told yeah. us to get them. <laughs> we got them because they are low profile. I'll take a picture and I'll actually show you. They compress up beautifully, like they're such high quality. It's an expensive outlay. However, because we've got people sitting across the table from us and each other when we're doing it, you and I are looking at each other now without, yeah, without dodging to without doing around. the dance, d- yep. dodging around a mic. And it would have been great if we had them when Cam was here. Yeah. Because we were doing the same sort of thing. Like if when you're looking at one person, then you go to change to another person, you've got to move your head mm-hmm. so you can get around the mic. Look, it's no big deal. Well, you know, <laughs> I'm making it it's a first world problem, big time. Yeah. But it's made a big difference to the footprint on the actual table. Yeah. So, But we said this is where the Patreon money goes. We're always going to tell you where that's it right. goes. It so goes back. This is to, where it went. We reinvest it back into our podcast and yep. back into the quality and of what we're doing. And This old stand is going to my house. Yes. So yeah. we definitely use them. It's not like we just throw them in the bin or go, you know, you're done with. No. Everything gets recycled or reused in some way. Good episode, not only with Jazz when she was on. Mm -hmm. Got some really good feedback from that. I think people enjoyed having a guest on the show again. Yeah. And then having Cam on and talking about his little assembled team of scent detection people. Mm -hmm. It was great. Well received, that's good. Yeah, it was well received. People enjoyed it. It was was a little different than what we used to talking about. A lot more on the scent detection topic. It was nice to receive some good feedback. I really uh, enjoyed Cam's seminar. Yes, me too. It was good. And as I said during the episode with him, like I've kind of tried to stay out of that detection space, like not stay out of it, but it's not my shtick. Mm. But I feel a bit more drawn to it now. You'll love it. When you sort of get going on it, detection and bite work, I think are the ultimate, and I'm saying this from my perspective, so mm-hmm. from anyone who gets to bug up their ass over it, But I think ultimately when you're doing the detection side, which is a very heavily innate process that a dog does, and then also the bite sports or the bite work that you do with dogs, it's sort of hitting two of the top tiers of what a working dog likes to do. Mm. It's one direction or another. And I know, look, I know other dogs like to do other things as well, but I think it really helps define a trainer as well. Like people who get into those sort of things, you learn a lot about dogs in agility and fly ball and general obedience and all those sort of things. You learn lots. But then when you get into those tiers, it's like completing it. It's like doing your master's in sort of – yeah understanding dog behavior. And again, I know people are going to go, oh, Glenn, oh, please. But 
you have to experience it to know what I'm talking about. Yeah, I agree. I think especially like in the bite work, that's why I am very drawn to that. And now I feel this same sort of draw in the detection space is that like it's helping manipulate the way a dog does dog stuff. Mm. Cause like, you're not really teaching a dog anything. They know how to use their nose. Mm. You know what I mean? But you're like saying, Hey, but use it to find this and in this way. So like, I think that it, there's like a beauty in the way that it's quite cooperative, you know? Yeah. And I think all like, you know, everything is the same. Like, you know, herding is the same. The dog has an innate Absolutely. desire to do that. And you've got to work as a team to get them to a place and all like all those sorts of things. But I just feel a little bit drawn to it. I'm going to start playing with it a little bit, you know, like I've done, plenty of detection stuff. It's not like I've never done it, but I just not made it my thing. Mm. Uh, and not that, that I'm going to do that, but I just feel, you know, a bit, a bit inspired. Got the seminar fever, you know, how everybody does. Yeah. I, like there were so many of like people I knew who I could see getting the seminar fever and I, <laughs> and were like, oh, I'm detection now. And I, I kept walking around and saying to people like, remember he's phase zero. Like remember like to develop the drive. Don't leave here and get some scent tubes and start imprinting the scent on your dog that has no desire for anything. Yeah. Remember to build a build level the hunt. of hunt yep. and then use that. And mm. people are like, ah, oh, yes. I think that's a missing point that people don't realise is, you know, like go out in the field and throw something into long reeds and so forth yeah. and get your dog interested in running in and f- using its nose. Like yeah. what we used to call it was switching off the eyes. Mm-hmm. One of the things that Harley used to do, my old boy, was I used to do this thing with him when I used to pick up a pebble when we were training on this, what we call Lilydale topping in Melbourne. And it was basically like very heavily crushed rock mm-hmm. and it almost goes like concrete. And I'd pick up a tiny little pebble from the, the ground that we were training on after everyone was doing it to him. I'd rub my odour on it, show it to him, put him in a drop stay and throw the pebble out and I'd wait 15 minutes and I'd send him to find it. Mm. And he would go off and scour the ground and he'd come back and he'd have a pebble in his mouth. And people would say, how do you know he's found it? And I said, he never comes back unless he finds it. Mm-hmm. Like I'd say to him, out, and he'd go, and he'd spit a little tiny pebble on the ground. And they mm. say, how do you know that's the same one? And I said, you just have to trust me. That's the exact same one. I said, okay, what we'll do to satisfy you is I'll put a Sharpie marker on it. Mm -hmm. And then they said, well, then he can see it. And I said, don't be silly. We're going to put like a dot on there, you know? And then they said, well, then it's the odor of the Sharpie. And I said, I don't give a fuck what odor it is as long as he finds the same one. And I said, but it won't be the Sharpie odor because this will be the very first time a Sharpie odor has been on there. It's a game. We're not playing for sheep stations here. So I marked it. You know, like 30 people were there watching this. This is not just me and my made-up friends. I said, I'm going to double the time now just to make this hard because you're an asshole and you made me do this. <laughs> so I made it 30 minutes. We went off, trained some dogs. Harley was in a drop stay. He could hold drop stays for hours. He was great at it. Yeah. Came back, released him or told him to find. So I gave him a working command. He shot off into the car park. And I'm talking this whole thing was hundreds of square metres of this driveway. He would not quit until he found it. He'd scour the whole ground. Yeah. And he came back and they said, has he got it? Like I said before, and he comes back if he finds it. Like he'll Mm -hmm. stay out there the whole time. He's obsessed with this game. So I said, out. He spat it out. I picked it up, Sharpie on the bottom. Mm -hmm. And they said, fuck me dead. And I said, but that's what you don't understand is the intense capability that a dog has to use olfaction. Mm. And when they're really into this, they're really into it. Yeah. So you've got to understand these wolves and wild dogs and hyenas and all these sort of animals, they have to do this. Yeah, they survive by It's this. a survival thing. That's yeah. right. I said they have to do this. Even though we may have dumbed it down or dulled it in some of the poor designs of dogs that we've done, I said there's still dogs with incredible genetics and incredible capability in detection. You remember years ago when Mike Suttle was out here, those guys had that little dingo puppy. Yes. Like wild caught dingo puppy. Yep. That was mm. incredible at yep. detection. I think mm. that was Andrew Dove's dog, yeah, wasn't it? That's right. Yeah. yeah, they found it. Mm. And everyone was kind of remarking how good it was. I was like, yeah, but it's a thousand <laughs> years of evolution. Yeah. Yeah. There's like nobody ever looked at those dingoes and said, that one's pretty, breed it to that one. Right. <laughs> it was like they were good hunters. That's how they were alive. Right? Yep. Mm. That was true selection. Mm. You remind me, I met this cop once who had an insane amount of light bites. I asked him, his dog was a good dog, but it wasn't amazing. Yep. And I asked him what was the deal. And he, you know, the classic line, he said, if you can't find them, you can't bite them. Yep. And he told me that every day at lunchtime, he buys his lunch and he wears like a glove when he receives his change. He drives to wherever he's going to eat it. He lets the dog out and he, on the bonnet of his car, eats his lunch and wearing a glove, he gets the coins and he'll like flick one out into the side of wherever he was, you know, mm. like into the grass or whatever. And while he's eating, his dog is out there hunting for that coin. Mm. And he said that his dog became an expert in finding human scent where it shouldn't be. 
Yep. And he's like, and that then when I get a call to a break and enter or whatever, he's like, my dog is an expert at finding human scent where it, it shouldn't be. And so he gets on the track quicker than any other dog. And from there, he's just tracking. Like, yep. you know, he's a good tracker like everyone else. And when he's a good biter, when he gets there, he's not exceptional at either of those things. But what he is the best at is finding human scent where it mm. shouldn't be. I thought that was pretty interesting. Well, that's the thing, right, is the dogs are already capable of doing this thing. And that's one of the, you know, well, like when I did my little presentation at the Canine Scent Conference, Part of it was around the conversation that you and I had, which inspired me to talk about that a little bit. I didn't want to talk about the science because I was surrounded by people who were far more science mm-hmm. than I was. Mm-hmm. I didn't want to talk about fields that Cameron was going to talk about. So I started talking about considerations, mm-hmm. things that people need to think about in their training. Like one of them was the sacred cows that we all have in, mm-hmm. in our training disciplines where we hang on to these stupid fucking traditions, which just fuck us up and fuck our dogs up. It's not you and I I'm talking about. I'm just talking about some of the old world. How dare you, sir? I'm just talking about some of the old world in training where we get locked into these mentalities that we have to carry these stupid traditions which stop them working to the best of their capabilities. Mm. You and I had a conversation when we were in our kitchen doing our pre-show one day. We were talking about isn't it amazing how a dog will run out on the field if you allowed it, it would be there all day tracking all the odour on the ground of things that were moving around there during the night. The birds, the possums, the rabbits, they will know every footstep they take. You can see them when they're off, they run straight back in and you can see them zigzagging and, mm-hmm. you know, like pausing where they paused, eating the shit where they shat, mm-hmm. self-rewarding themselves during that whole process. Mm-hmm. And yet sometimes when we do this, we rob them of that capability to do it because we rob them of joy of the mm-hmm. work. Whereas when people understand how to establish this scaffolding of doing it properly and building it right, the dog then understands, well, this is the correct architecture of Mm. what I would normally do. Mm. It's just a different odour that I'm not used to looking for. But it's still fun and it's still important. And then they start getting this perpetual reinforcement because they like that as well. And I know we've talked about this in various conversations where we've mentioned that exact phrasing and the exact wording, but that's what people need to understand is if you do this right and you do build that architecture, like we were talking about before, the perpetual reinforcement that springs from that. And then the dog goes, not only do I like getting to the end of it, but I actually enjoy the work. Mm. We've talked about many different disciplines of training, how that pumps dopamine up as it starts to get into odor and the scent plumes start to appear in strength and, you know, or the vapor pressure is stronger or whatever it is that the dog is working on at the time, which is vapor pressure Mm. um, or odor plumes or whatever it is, they get excited about it because they know that that's announcing that their reinforcer is close, but they also love the fact that they feel that good about it. Yeah. This is what Valerie does like day to day. If you look back at old videos, it used to be that you'd see her just sprinting in the background of me training Remy. So Mm. like she'd all be just be sprinting around and normally that would be chasing birds, right? But she's an old lady now. She's like nine. She's about to be nine. Yeah, so is Randy. He's nine. Yeah, so now she just kind of pots around. But what she does is because we go like early in the mornings and train, she looks for the possums. Sometimes I can watch. Like she will like track from one tree to another. So you see her, she'll like put her front pause on a tree, interrogate it and be like, yeah, he came down this one. And then she'll track where he went. And if it's early enough and the dew hasn't cleared, like I can see the footprints of the possum, right? Like I can see she's on track. Yep. And she'll track him like from one tree to another and then you'll see her roll in something and she'll be like, yeah, like now I smell like your piss possum. I'm coming up. Yeah. Like I don't know what she thinks she's doing. I'm wearing your cologne. Yeah. But then she'll find the trees in and mm. be like barking and sort yep. of like she's quite safe. Like I treat him like I found him. and and Which is exactly what springers were bred for. Exactly. And mm. so I've never encouraged it. I've yep. never reinforced it. She just does it in her own time. Mm. And then I can call her and be like, Hey, like, it's your turn. You want to train? She's like, yeah, fuck yeah. Chase the ball, whatever. Yep. But like in her own time, that's what she does. Just follows her nose around. Mm. She's funny. She's like an old lady now. She just kind of pots around. She doesn't sprint and do any, all the crazy shit she used to do. Mm. Although this morning the sprinklers are on, right? She just kind of showered under it. Normally she would run in and try and bite the sprinkler <laughs> and get the... Like, you know, like eight liters of water <laughs> blasted into her. But today she just kind of danced around in the in the rain of it. I'm getting too old for this now. Yeah, she's yeah. just enjoying it. She's yep. enjoying life. You had a topic. I had a topic. We got, yeah, um, we got derailed. Into the, ambushed into the scent detection talking. Yeah. yeah. Well, it's not too far from it. So last week when uh, we were talking to Cam, I discussed that Axel, my son, had a tantrum. Yep. And you filmed one the other day where he was having a little. Oh, that's ha- nothing. That, that, but that was funny. Hey. There was a frustration thing about, about 
yeah, trying, he to, definitely trying got, to get his fork into his yeah, food. That's really interesting to see yep. like that level of frustration build and then like him quit and get angry at the whole situation. I think I watched that probably a dozen times just yeah. to get my head around him. Look, I know what he was doing, but it was interesting watching his whole body language. Like yeah. even the way he put his hands over his head, like, oh, fuck this. Yeah. And just trying to deal with the situation like – I'm trying my best at this, but yeah. it, it should be easy and it's just not. Yeah. So in that video, if anyone who didn't see it, it's on my Instagram. It was on, uh, it was just a story that oh, I was put a story. Up. Okay. Yeah. Mm. What did uh, you label it? You called it something. I said it was a short film entitled, it's all too hard to fuck this. Yep. That's right. Yes. So he's right. sitting there, he's with grapes. You can't give little kids full grapes. You have to cut them in half or yep. I was like a choking hazard. So I've cut them in half and then people message me and say, I cut them the wrong way, but he survived. So <laughs> I, I guess I didn't, I guess I didn't cut them entirely. Mate, you would believe I put up a photo. So I've had to go through all these old photos because they're putting in a new Afghanistan installation in the war memorial and yep. a friend of mine's involved in it. And I have to go down and give an interview and stuff. And they wanted some photos of me and any equipment that I can give them because they want to have like this. I'm going to have not like a dedicated section to me, but like uh, I'm going to be a contributor to a part in this thing in the War Memorial. So I had to get some photos, right? Cool. That's um, quite something. Yeah, it's cool. Yeah. And it's because I know someone. It's not because I did anything cool. But yes, you did. You're a commando. That's, yeah, but I mean, like, it's not like... Anyway, so I had to find all these old photos, right? Because they wanted photos. And like, I've got like on my phone, a couple of photos that I use when people are like, oh, have you got a photo from when you're in the army? And I've got like four or five photos, right? So I had to find different ones. Yeah. And there was one of my first ever deployment, right? Yeah. And I put it on my story and the amount of people that fucking message me. Is this about you hold, the way you're holding the Yeah, rifle? the way that I had the barrel of my gun <laughs> resting on my toe. <laughs> I was like, oh, I'm yeah. sorry. I was carrying an 18 kilo machine gun designed to be mounted to a fucking vehicle that I carried everywhere with me for eight months. Keeping Ex- the muzzle out of the dirt, yeah, which ex- you're supposed to do. Excuse me if yeah. I rested it on my fucking toe yeah. for, for a moment. Excuse me. <laughs> l- let me just cast my memory back and remember when you were there. Oh, right. You weren't. You've never done that? Oh, go fuck yourself. And then someone was like, oh, and there's tape on your gun. Like, yeah, no shit. When it gets dusty, it's a fucking good idea to put a bit of tape over your ejection port on a machine gun that doesn't have a dust cover so again go fuck yourself yeah anyway people are welcome to their opinions i suppose yeah you're welcome to tell them to go fuck themselves i told a couple anyway where we're going with this we're we're talking about back to your son yeah Mm. so he's like 15 months old yep and he had a couple weeks ago his first legit tantrum okay so Babies are often frustrated. They want stuff. They can't communicate. You know, all those sorts of things. Yep. It's very difficult for them to convey what they want. He's they, in between that stage of being able to communicate vocally and- Yeah, yeah. he can make mm. sort of grunty kind of noises. Yeah, I've read about it, how frustrating it is for totally. them. They can't talk to you. Yeah, and, he's in a weird in-between yep. stage where he has like his own hobbies and interests, like he likes to do stuff. You know, he has desires to do things, but he can't necessarily convey them. And he doesn't understand the bigger picture of anything that's going on, really. That's that sort of 15-month mark. So at night, what he tends to do is, like, he has his last bottle and then he plays this game. We've got this new couch where he just loves to kind of run from one end of the couch to the other. And we put we take all of the pillows off of the couch and they kind of create like the, a, the floor thing that yeah. if he falls, he falls onto Yeah, the he falls onto that. So yeah. he loves this game, right? Yeah. He runs around, he crawls, runs flops, like does this thing where he just goes end to end and we yep. kind of semi-chase him, right? Yeah. And it's his last thing before he goes upstairs to begin the bedtime routine. It's like he, he gets out his last bit of energy. So one night he's doing that and he loves it. It's hysterical. We're all laughing. It's a great time. And then it's like, okay, he's fallen off too many times. You can see that he's so tired that he can barely keep his shit together <laughs> and it's time to go upstairs. So I grab him yep. and I'm like, come on, mate, let's go upstairs. And he fucking cracks it because he's now at a point where he knew where he was going. Yep. He knew the fun was over. Yep. He knew like I'm headed upstairs. It's bath time. The bedtime routine is follows, but I still want to be doing that. And he doesn't have the words to say these things. All he has is a huge motherfucking tantrum where he's screaming and flailing his body around all over the place. I just kind of laughed yep. right? because I'm like, I get it. I want to keep doing this as well, but I know you're only downhill from here. You only get more tired and more hysterical. Like we're doing this. And he's like whacking at me. He's a feisty kid, right? Mm. Like he's got a lot. And so this huge fucking tantrum because he wants something and I'm not going to let him have it. Mm. Right. Because I know better. 
it's not appropriate anymore. Like it's time to put an end to this. And I'm, I'm like, we, we are proceeding with what I need to do. And I was thinking about it as I was doing it. Remy follows me up and he's 15 months old, right? And I remember sort of reading that that's about the cognition level that we think dogs are somewhere about that sort of level of cognition. And I thought, what would I be doing with a dog that had a similar tantrum in this situation? Like, how would I handle this? Because there's no way I'm punishing a 15-month-old baby, right? There's no, like, but I guess technically by the definition of punishment, I am taking him away from what he wanted, mm-hmm. right? But it's just what had to happen. I wasn't doing it for an effect. I was just like, you know what? You can have this tantrum and I'm going to support you through it. I'm I'm understanding of it. I'm not mad at you. I'm just going to sort of be like, cool, man. Like, but this is what's happening. You're, you're, I'm not going to let you continue running around on the couch. You are coming upstairs. You are taking off your nappy and you are getting in the bath. Mm-hmm. That is what's happening. And he's so fucking angry at me, right? And I'm laughing the whole time. And he's like kicking his legs and as I'm like having to avoid being kicked in order to get his nappy off. And then the moment I put him in the bath, it stops, right? He's like, oh, there's a new play area. This is totally fine. Wow. Yeah. Because he's like, oh, he likes being in the bath. He's like, oh, this yeah. is sweet, You can right? play with these boats and Yeah, I'm in here. This is yeah. fine. It gave me cause to realize. I was like, I think that if dogs are at the same sort of level of cognition, when they want something at that level, that emotional drives to want something like that, mm. I wonder how supportive I am to a dog that's in a similar situation where he's like, no, I really want that thing. And you're like, you can't have it, man. And he's like, no, but I really want it. And we then often try and train like in that moment. And it made me realize like it was a good example. I sort of, I felt like it was a good way to explain how sort of ineffective training with a dog that's over threshold can be. Mm. Because I knew that with him. Like immediately I look at this little baby having a tantrum. I'm like, oh, there's no rationalizing anything. You, you can't understand me, right? Like you, you don't speak. You have a very rudimental understanding of like mm. conveying my intent to you. You kind of understand happy and sad. You can get my tone and my pitch and my posture. You understand those kinds of things. But I can't have a conversation with you. And you have to stop doing the thing that you're doing. And we have big feelings about that. You're not in trouble. It just is what it is, man. Mm. It just has to be this way. And it made me think about how many times when I've had a dog go over threshold that I've been like, you're slighting me, sir. (laughs) You know what I mean? Like, how dare you? How dare you? Control yourself. And I was like, he probably can't, you know? Mm. So it was a good example of, I thought anyway, of when that dog goes over threshold and he's having a tantrum, I like to think that I trained in the similar way that I handled it with my son, mm. where I'm like, hey, you can have that tantrum, man, but it's not changing what's happening here. You're over threshold. Our learning experience now is probably not going to be great. Like this is not a time I'm going to, you know, I'm not going to punish you at this point. I'm not going to try and turn this into a learning process beyond managing you through it at this point, once mm. you're over threshold like that. And it made me think about that process of sort of training at a level of stress and arousal where that cognitive understanding of what's going on, the dog's actually making decisions rather than finding itself in an emotional state and then being punished in that emotional state. Because I think people say that you can punish emotions, like you can stop a dog wanting to feel that emotion, but really what you're doing in doing that is capping drive. Yep. And I think that's one of the places like where people who don't have enough drive to cap, when the dog is like, hey, I really, really want that thing by saying, hey, no, now you can't have it. Often I think that we sometimes diminish drive in that moment and kind of the dog goes, well, he can't rationalize that he wasn't allowed that thing necessarily in that moment because he's emotionally like he's just in it. He's over threshold. But you can be like, you can't do it, but you're not in trouble for at the moment. We're going to have to recreate this. We're going to set this up. We're going to create a learning moment and keep you at a threshold where you can so that I can in future just say to you, hey, come on, you're not allowed to do that. And you go, yeah, yeah, got it. But now is not the time. Are you flirting with suppression? <laughs> <laughs> I'm dancing around it. Yeah, I know. You just have you've said every other word except for <laughs> suppression. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. Before you go on, they are very interesting observations. Mm. And I think as dog trainers, especially when we become into the league of people trainers as well, 
you use these epiphanies and analogies to tell stories to other people. Of course. Of your awakening, the thing that hit you deeply where you go, holy shit, I've just had a neurological breakthrough Mm -hmm. of something that I've kind of known and I've danced around this, but I haven't paid enough attention to it because I wasn't so intimate with it. Mm -hmm. And I think sometimes a human experience sometimes gives us that ability to look deeper into it and think I was missing that Mm -hmm. because I wasn't as close to it. I was a little removed from it. It wasn't so intimate as I used the word before. And they really are amazing moments and they are really teachable moments. They are things that you can pass on to people. I do that heaps with students when I'm out there. Like they say, geez, you've got a lot of stories. I said, yeah, but I've been doing this for 30 years. Yeah. And not not just me, but I've been listening to other people's stories intently as well when they tell stories. And I said, if you look at all the old tribes, everyone in the village used to sit around and the elders used to tell stories or the hunters would, would tell stories to tell everybody at the tribe what they see outside the tribe. So the people who don't get to leave the tribe – get to share in the experiences and the visions of everybody else, the wise people who went out and Mm -hmm. did these little pilgrimages or safaris or these hunting trips or whatever they were. And it's very important for us as trainers to trainers of dogs, trainers of people that we share in these moments as well. Like you already know this, but for people listening, I can't emphasize to you how important this actually is to pay attention to things that are around you in your environments that you can relate back because you can look at the parallels and say, it is almost on point or so goddamn close. I can utilize this now mm-hmm. in my new understandings of the path that I really need to revisit mm-hmm. with my training of dogs. And it's nice listening to you talking about this. Mm. I've had some of these special moments and I've thought to myself, holy shit, I thought I was on point, but I think I missed the point a little bit because it, I wasn't paying as much attention to it. Mm. I think, you know, and, and certainly when that was happening, I was actually thinking to myself, because like, I'm kind of laughing at him having this tantrum, yeah. right? It's kind of funny to me. Mm. And it never, like it didn't for a second cross my mind that he was doing it to slight me. Mm. But sometimes you see people like, oh, this fucking dog. It's happening around you, man. He's not doing it to you. He has a strong desire to want something. But the people like that are the ones who are easily offended. Yeah. They find offense in a lot of things because they're looking for triggers to say, oh, you're doing this to me. Yeah. Where it's just an experience of behavior. Yeah. And so, like, as he's having this tantrum, I'm kind of laughing, thinking to myself, like, you poor little guy. Like, you'll get through this. You'll get over it. This reminds me of Chad's quote, the dog's not being a problem, the dog's having a problem. Yeah, yeah, totally. Yeah, I think that's a really wise summary of, of yeah, a situation like totally. that. Totally, 100%. Mm. And then it gave me cause to think, so like my neighbor has a kid who's three, mm. right? Just this morning, they had the bubble thing going. What's and, the bubble thing? Yeah, like it's a bubble machine. So oh, like yeah, it, yeah, it yeah. blows bubbles. And it kind of got jammed and it made this ridiculous clump of bubbles. (laughs) And he got so excited by it that his body was trembling as he's watching these bubble get bigger and bigger and bigger and this cluster of bubbles instead of it creating like individual bubbles that are flying off into the sky. So it looked like a sacred geometry of bubbles. Yeah, Yeah. it did. And, And he was literally body is trembling. Wow. With excitement as this is happening. And it made me think again, I'm like, fucking hell, when's the last time I felt like that about anything? Yep. Right? Like, when's the last time that you were trembling with excitement? Oh, mate, I'm telling you, I remember some of the joys that I had about being a child and some of the grandeur about, you know, like even going down the beach. We used to go to this place in Melbourne called Rye. You go down there now as an adult and you go... Mm. <laughs> you know, but as a kid, like it was fucking amazing. Mm-hmm. And I remember those euphoric feelings Yeah, yeah. and I yearn for them again, but you, it's, it's weird. You don't experience those yeah. same sort of things because your mind is focused. I've got work. I've got responsibility. Yeah, I've yeah. got a hustle. Got yeah. to do all the, where kids are going, look at all this magical shit. Yeah. So this kid's trembling, yep. squealing, yep. watching this bubble get bigger and bigger. That's actually beautiful. Yeah. Mm. But then the conversation happens. His mum says, you know, like, oh, imagine feeling like that. Yeah. That's and why I, was, I think it's beautiful. But I was like, but you know, I saw that just a couple of hours ago when I told my dog to down mm. and I went and put his ball 30 meters away. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? Kids and little dogs are very similar. But this is the thing. So like, I think there's danger in comparing too much kids to dogs because you get people then say, would you do that to a kid? And it's like, no, it's a different thing. Right. Yeah, yeah. Like, but different cognition, different. Yeah, but it, yeah. it's a different animal. Like it's a different yeah. thing, right? Yeah, and there's different is. consequences from the stat. Like there's, it's a different thing. But there's many parallels, 
And I think that as I'm, as I'm watching this kid literally trembling at the idea of just looking at a bubble, I'm thinking of my dog holding it down, mm. literally trembling and, you know, like inching, like creeping towards it and me thinking, this motherfucker's breaking the down position, right? And it's like, give him some credit, man. You've got a dog that has this overwhelming desire to get that ball mm. that not only is innate to him, but that you cultivated. You fucking helped him develop that. You built that to the brink of what you could get it to because you wanted that level of desire to have something, that level of arousal. Yep. Am I going to let him crawl out of the down? No, I'm not going to allow it, but I'm not going to get fucking angry at him. That's for goddamn sure. In Mm. the same way, I'm not getting angry at my son who's having a tantrum for the first time and having an emotion that he's had overwhelmed by and has never felt before and doesn't know how to manage. And I'm not getting angry or feeling slighted by a kid who can't hear me because he's so excited to see the bubbles come out of the thing that he's trembling that when my dog does the same, I'm still not going to allow it to happen. Yeah. But I'm definitely not going to be like angry that it is because the fact that it is happening is great. Like the fact that he feels so drawn to the, the the thing that I'm ultimately using as a reinforcer, that he is having a hard time controlling himself in that down. Now, of course, I'm going to teach him that he's not allowed to do that, right? Mm. Like he has to learn that he's not allowed to break the position and that by creeping forward like that, he actually made it more difficult to get to and he you know, prolonged the experience and he blah, blah, blah. All the things I'm going to do to teach him that. Mm. But it made me kind of feel not differently because I already felt this way, but it reinforced the idea that like, I'm not going to get mad at you for displaying the attributes that you have been genetically selected over the last 150 years. And that I went out of my way to cultivate the fact that you were displaying it is not going to piss me off. Mm. Right. It just sort of, I don't know. It, it helped me conceptualize something that I've felt for a long time. It's redefining. Yeah. It felt like I was like, this is what I want to try and convey to people is that especially when you're trying to drive cap, right? Like when you have a dog that's really super into something and you're trying to control it around that is that like the dog very almost never is displaying that level of drive towards that thing to piss you off. That's what's happening to him And chances are you probably cultivated that. You Mm. probably built that level of desire. Not saying you shouldn't do anything about it. Not by a long shot am I fucking saying that. But what I am saying is like you have to have a level of understanding around that. I think Mm. that when a dog breaks a position to go and bite the decoy or, you know, like in agility, if the dog breaks the start line, like all of these types of things, it has to be managed. Maybe doing it with tools is the right way to do it. Like there's lots of – I'm not saying that you shouldn't be dealing with that. But I think that a level of understanding of it, the reason that it happened is actually ultimately a good thing. The reason that it was the driving force behind that behavior, the emotion that drove it, you need that. If you get rid of that emotion in order to have that behavior not happen, then a lot of other behaviors are also not going to happen. Well, I think the important thing here is to get rid of your emotion. Yes. Because it's not a emotional thing. It's an educational moment. I agree with you. I think the dog should feel the emotion, but you shouldn't because Mm. I think the problem with a lot of us, and I've learned from this many times, I've had to really redefine who I am and what I'm thinking about when I'm out there training my dogs, is I've made it an emotional moment, not an educational moment. I haven't looked at it through the right lens. I'm thinking, as you said before, early in the episode, you're doing this to get at me. And that's completely arbitrary way of thinking yeah you know that itself is just crazy i know dogs can be a bit sneaky sometimes and they can push their luck and so forth but i don't really think now that i think back on it a lot that they're doing it to get at you they're just doing it because the opportunity presents yeah because i just want to yeah that's right i just want to and i need it it's like a pacifier for me right now I, i need it because i'm feeling so overwhelmed with emotion myself or with drive or energy or whatever it is, I just need to get to the end of this to help me relieve the way that I'm feeling. I think for us, the danger is is that we're also overwhelmed with feeling that the dog has betrayed you, that the dog is fucking you over, that the dog is doing all these sort of things. And I think as I've been educating people a lot these days, one of the bigger messages 
if you feel that way, put your dog away. Mm. Don't get involved in training. This is the perfect time to end training. Yes, you may not have achieved what you wanted to achieve, but you're certainly not going to go further back from here, Mm. which you're in danger of if you stay out on that field and push it from there Mm. because you are going to go into dangerous red line territory yourself, and that's a really fucked up place to be in in a training platform. Yeah, for sure. Mm. The lesson was kind of, for me anyway, was controlling arousal. Yep. I think that keeping the dog in a level of arousal, that is of benefit to you and the dog in the session. Yeah. And of course, you have to be able to cap that. Like there is ways that's part of training. But that's training, right? That, yeah, yeah, that's part that's of education. Training. Yeah. Yeah. But doing that at a threshold where the dog can learn. Yeah. Like I think that's what I think I wanted to convey is that there gets to a point where arousal gets so high that the dog really is going to struggle to learn with any amount of nuance. And yeah. for sure, you can punish at that level. But first of all, the amount of punishment might have to be quite high. It's the aversion is going to have to be higher than the draw, yeah. right? So that might be very high if the draw is very high. But also it's unlikely that you can convey much nuance in punishment at that level, mm. right? Because now the dog is so hyper aroused that he's going to know that he's not allowed to come into that level of arousal, but he might not realize that it's like in that specific circumstance. And you might find a generalization that you don't want. Yeah. Right. Yep. And I think- yep. This is like, you know, commonly you see this and people say, oh, you flatten the dog out. Yeah. And very often that's because of a punishment that happened where the dog was like, okay, I get that I shouldn't go into that level of arousal, but they don't have any more specifics beyond that. Yep. So the dog's like, I just got to stay flat and I'm nice and safe when I'm flat. And I never want that. Mm. I want my dog to know that he can come to his highest level of arousal and show me that extreme drive expression and desire, but only at particular times and that he should keep himself below threshold at other times and stay cognitive with me. Yeah. I entirely agree with what you're saying there because often when I refer to it, there's times where we're dealing with three states of arousal. You're either melancholy, you're in the right state of arousal where you're cognitive and prepared, or you're in a manic state. And this is a like an explanation of it. It's not absolutely accurate. It's just a way I use to describe it. But I find that when you're in either of those melancholy or manic states, it's very difficult to try and inspire or control mm. because you either don't want to or you can't. The level that you have to work at and try and train at to try and cap at those higher levels That's damaging. Mm. I really think that it starts to strip away a lot of the relationship that you have, the fundamentals of what you're trying to build. Whereas when you bring it down to a capability where you are cognitive, I'm also trying to develop a bit of a flow state in your training mindset. You know, you're trying to reach that perfect middle ground, the Goldilocks state, just right. And that's something that many of us we're trying to focus for because when we are trying to build to high states of arousal, we're actually trying to build a funnel around it so we can push it towards that area and yeah, drive it there exactly, and present it to the dog and say, that's where I want you to express yourself, nowhere else. Mm-hmm. Like don't go left, don't go right, stay center of mass. That's where I need to drive you. And often we forget that when we do this sometimes, we're not really defining the terms properly because we're in a race to get there. And this is when you're clunky with training when you're not really gathered your thoughts and you just want the dog to express but the dog starts to express left right and center and you think fuck you're doing things that i don't want you to do but you didn't define it properly at the start like you actually didn't build the scaffolding properly around that exercise where you said to the dog no 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 that's not what i wanted and bringing the dog back and helping the dog ease back into that situation and say all right here it is i'm going to say errorless but i don't want to say that in a definitive state because Nothing can be entirely errorless, but as errorless as it can be, where you can point the dog to it and say, there it is, Mm. there's your opening and let the dog seize it and express fully into that and literally dive bomb into it. And then you can give it everything. Mm. Like you can teach it how it has to be, but that's incrementally that takes time to get there. And it's a very hard and stressful thing. And that's why I'm saying that's why you're going to be battling with your own emotional demons when you're doing this. Mm. Because you yourself are going to be saying, fuck, you're not listening to me. You're not doing what I want. But if the dog could probably communicate with you as a human being, it would turn around saying, well, I didn't understand what you asked for. Yeah, I'm not capable of it. I'm not capable of it. That's exactly right, like your child did. And I think those epiphanies that we have along the way, when you can see this and you can correlate it, you kind of have those, oh, shit, and the light bulb flashes in your head. Mm. You think, yeah, yeah, that's why I've been having difficulty when I've been doing this because 
I'm feeling anger and emotion about the dog not doing this and the belief that the dog deliberately didn't do it because it's having a fuck you moment where it's just having trouble trying to define the terms of the exercise. Mm, Totally. Mm. Yeah, I had another one. So I've got one of the young Mallies with me. Jazz is a jujitsu comp and so I've got one of the dogs. And so when she's going to bring him over, they're seven months, right, seven months old, which in my mind is still a very young dog. Yeah, it is. I've got Mando. He's exactly the same age and he's still a he's still a baby trying to find his way through things. Yeah. Normally, if a dog's going to come and stay at my house- They're a full-size dog. Yeah, but this is the issue, But they've right? got a baby brain. Yeah. So yeah. this is the issue. So when I'm like, oh, yeah, seven months old, whatever, they're puppies. If a dog's going to come and stay at my house and live in the house, right? Well, not in the house, but even be in the kennel, like be with my family, usually what I'll do is meet someone, you know, down at the street or wherever- and we need to migrate to the house together. And along that path, Remy will get to know the dog, right? And especially if they can be off leash together and we move somewhere. Mm. So what I would normally do, and I wish that I'd done, but didn't think of, didn't think I needed to, and I'll explain why in a second. Normally I would go and train somewhere with Remy. I would do a session. I'd get Jazz to do a session with the dog. And then we, you know, in parallel, like we're just sort of separate, both dogs People on leash, the they do their own yep. thing. Yep. And then we'll go for a walk. doesn't need to be far like a hundred meters or so, you know, we just need to more than a hundred meters. We need to go like on a bit of a journey. And it's neutral territory. Yeah. And they need to move together into to each other. Yeah. It's, yeah, it's good. It's creating that proper energy. And then put our dogs in our individual cars. We go to the same place. We open up, the dogs get out and they go, Hey, you're that guy that I just hang out with. Come on in. And Remy normally would then be like, come in my house, man. I'll show you some cool stuff. Right. And they're fine. But that's with adult dogs. I need to do that. With puppies, he's usually like, oh, hey, puppy. Like, and he'll play with it for a bit. And then he's like, oh, I don't care anymore. You're boring to me, right? Yep. And in my head, these dogs are still puppies. So I said, just bring him over. What a fucking disaster, right? Because yep. Remy's like, that's a dog. He's bigger than Remy. He's bigger than him. <laughs> yeah. Like I said, they're full-size dogs in baby yeah. brains. So he's like, that's a dog. And I feel a very strong draw to that dog. <laughs> and so because of the level of obedience that I have, I could just call him back. Like, let's be honest, not that I needed to use a great deal of compulsion at that point, but only because I had in the past was I able to call him back, right? Mm-hmm. It was a very strong draw to this dog. He yep. really is into it. Now I've got Richard and what's funny about, I, I'm not sure what the other one like Roger, I'm not sure what he's like. I haven't spent much time with him sort of away from training, but Richard's actually very similar to Remy in a funny way in that he's very drawn to dogs but has zero dog aggression. Yeah. And so the two of them together have this really bizarre energy where they are like locked onto each other. And it's like, there's this weird sort of dominance of like, who's a more powerful dog. Mm. And Remy does that to dogs. He like given the opportunity in a confined space, he will annoy another dog until it corrects him. And then he's like, Oh, that's the level. Yep. And he then stops. But he doesn't have like dog aggression, you know? So like he just does this weird dominance posturing thing until a dog goes, stop it. And he's like, okay, got it. Yeah. And that's where he stops. But Richard's the same. So they're both doing this weird posturing thing, but neither of them tells the other one to stop. And so they're kind of stuck to each other. Like you imagine two dogs that look like they're about to fight, but neither of them do. They're just kind of stuck there like, what are you going to do about it? Nothing. What are you going to do about it? Right? It's a bit like Zoolander and Hansel. A hundred percent. It's exactly like that. It is. And it's hilarious to watch. Yep. Right? And like I'm managing it safe. And like Remy's doing it through the kennel. Like he's, Richard's in the kennel and Remy's on the other side. And I was like, oh shit, I have to take these dogs out. Like there's no way to stop this. Yep. Right. Now, of course, like I could punish Remy in that moment, but I'm like, this is on me. I know how to avoid this. Mm but this is on me. And now I'm at home with three dogs and a baby and it's me. So I'm like, I can't do anything about this. I can't even really, realistically, I can't even really get him out of the kennel because I'm not in a position to, to deal with this by myself. I have to wait till Jane gets home and I can offload Axel to her and like, I can deal with this situation. I can manage it. I can't realistically manage two lunatic Mallies safely myself. Like how the fuck am I going to walk them down the street where they're trying to clunk into each other? Mm-hmm. And I know I can fix this hundred percent. All I have to do is get rem- Like I have to go to a place, put them both in the, in the crates next to each other. They'll whine at each other for the whole trip. I get one out, work him, put him away, get the other one, work him, put him away, do a lap of the park and they'll be best friends. Yep. And I should have done that before when they got dropped off, but I was like, shit, I'm stuck with this until I can do that, which wasn't until the next morning. Mm-hmm. 
And lo and behold, when I did it the next morning, they're like totally fine with each other now. Like can just chill out on the floor next to each other. Richard's in the kennel, relax. Remy's in the house, doesn't give a shit that there's another dog in the kennel. Like, because yep. he's like, I know him. I'm aware of him. I was with him earlier. He can be in the kennel. I don't care that he's in my house, right? But when she first drops him off, I've got this whole afternoon and night of this shit show. And I'm like, ugh. This is this same level of arousal that I've allowed my dog to get into where there's no real clear communication. Now I can still control him. A hundred percent. I can control him. I can call him back from the kennel. I can tell him to go wherever I can put him in an adjoining kennel, but he just sits there and is like, but I want to do that thing, man. I want to do that thing. Like I need to go do that thing. And I thought to myself, like, I don't feel like I can ethically punish this because I can stop him displaying the behaviors, but I can't change the way he feels. He has to go through these, like in a way that I feel comfortable with, I can't change the way that he feels. He has to go and do the things that he needs to do to satiate that drive. Mm. And I was like, this is my fault. I should have lowered the level of arousal for the meeting, but I let them just clunk into each other head on. I thought it would be fine. And like, it was fine, but it was just a headache for me to deal with for 12 hours until I could take them out and let them do their thing. So it was another example of us like, this is an emotion that I want. I like that he is like this, but I don't like it right now. So question for you in that aspect. Let's say, for example, you did take him out onto the field like you originally planned to Mm -hmm. and it still didn't go the way you expected to. Like there was residual there and Mm -hmm. there was like a bit of a hangover of behaviour. What then? How would you deal with that? Well, the same way I I did deal with it when – it was the way that it was. So I can call him. I just say, hey, you can't do that, man, come inside. Mm. And he reluctantly follows through. But then I can see in his own home now where like you look at, you see any of the photos on my social media or whatever of him in the house. He's just totally chilled Upside out. Upside down on yeah, the couch. He's just totally out. chilled out. Yep. But he couldn't do that because he hadn't done that interaction. And so he could come in and he did everything I told him to do, but he's just antsy. You know what I mean? Like he's simmering without being able to calm down. If had I taken them out and it did hadn't work, that's what I just would have had to put up with. Mm. The behaviors I have under control. He did exactly what I told him to do every time I told him to do it. Get away from the kennel, come in here, stay here, does all these things, but in drive. You know what I mean? Like he's sitting there simmering like, okay, I'll do it because you told me to do it. But the moment you tell me that I'm free, I'm running over to that kennel and I'm pressing my head against it and I'm staring at that dog, (laughs) right? And so dogs. it was just one of these things where I had to look at and go, fuck, I just have to manage this. Mm. Like I, I, there's not a lot I can really do. The only reason that obedience and all the things works is because of the amount that I have, right? Because of of the the amount of, so if I didn't have all those controlling mechanisms to do that, I don't, like it would have gone differently, Mm. right? At that point, we're, we're in a whole different, we're just separating them. They're not allowed to get together and I've got two antsy dogs. Like that's just the way that it goes, right? And that's standard kenneling for dogs, right? No big deal. It was just interesting to me and it was another reflection that I had on the idea of like, hmm, this dog is very highly aroused and feels really strongly about this. I like that he feels this way. I like his personality. In this instance, I don't. Mm. So I just have to manage it for now. Like I just have to kind of ride this out. There's not a lot I can do about this. Yeah, it's very hard and that does make it even more difficult when you're thinking or considering the use of a positive punisher or some form of correction Mm -hmm. for the dog being in that state of mind. However, the dog is also compliant with everything that you're asking the dog to do. And then you have to say, well, he did what I asked him. That's the issue, you right? Know, he might not have done it with the enthusiasm or the He usual. did it better. He did it's super flashy obedience drive. Yeah, because okay. he's in drive. Oh, yeah, yeah, so, yeah, yeah. That makes so sense. Yep. like literally everything I asked him to do, he yep. did as good as I would ever ask, but I had to ask him to do with stuff. With the hope that you're going to release him back so he could go and run to the other dog. Fuck him. So that's the issue, right? Yeah. So like there's nothing, like in that moment, I really had to reflect because I'm thinking, how the fuck am I going to manage this until tomorrow? Mm. And I was like, I just have to put up with it because there's nothing I can do here. Like I can't punish him. I don't want to stop the way that he feels about that dog, yeah. right? I'm okay with that. Like I could punish him, but I don't want to in this instance. 
And he's doing everything that I am asking. And like I say, make no mistake, the only reason he's doing everything I'm asking for is because in other instances, I have used the compulsion to get those behaviors. Mm. You know, it's all, everything he knows is taught. You would contradict what you've done in the past. Then he would learn. So you don't want me to work through pressure. Yeah, exactly. Mm. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Mm. Right. Yeah. So it was just like, I'm like, oh, I'm in a, a bit of a pickle. Well, I'm in a prison of my own design. <laughs> right. That's exactly right. Yeah. Yeah. But the lesson for me still, when I think about it, was you didn't control arousal correctly to have the outcome that you wanted. I knew how to do it, but I thought, nah, I should be right. It wasn't right. Yep. I mean, it was fine. It just had a dog that was sitting on the, like, inside all night going like, there's another dog outside and I want to go play with him. Well, you know the best thing about all this? It's content. No, that, <laughs> we get to tell that, the story. That, Everything which, is content. Yep. That. And now you know. Yeah. Oh, yeah, for sure. I think they're some of the best breakthroughs that you have sometimes. We had that discussion. We've got NETF again here, a new block one, brand new group of students. And we literally had that story is not the same one that you and I just talked about, but the life experiences that you have, now you know. Mm. Like you didn't know before and it was theory until you tested it. But now you know. And the reason why I say that is because we've been echoing the old Mayor Angelou quote, do the best you can until you know better. Yeah. And when you know better, do better. So yeah. now you know, and now you know, well, that's not the way to do it again. The next time I do it, yeah. I have to go through the we rigorous go routine things. of taking him to a neutral location, phasing them in together, having the sort of dogs getting to understand each other and go, hey, I know you, come back and, come hang, and hang, out, out. hang out my joint. To give some perspective, when I was leaving to come here, Remy's asleep on the floor and I walk through the house with Richard. Remy's like, oh, he's leaving, is he? See yep. ya. Doesn't get up. Yep. Like, oh, I don't care. Yep. Because we've I've done the things. All that. We've done yeah. the things. I, yeah. I don't care anymore. That stark contrast between letting him express it in the right way, because he's like, I need to run around with that dog. Like, yep. That has to happen. And we'll do it in a circle in the kennel if that's what it takes. Yep. And routine to a routine fixated person or animal is very important, mm. especially anybody who has people who are on the spectrum or anything like that. Like routine to them is really, really, really important. I'm not just talking about people on the spectrum. I'm talking about anybody who's routine orientated, yeah. anybody who's gotten into the routine of going to gym or having a coffee in the morning or anything like that, like missing those routines can yeah. really fuck your day up. Yeah, totally. Yeah. I was talking about this morning on the Patreon live stream. Like I'm trying to make a bit of a video. Jane watched Dog the other day. She she was on a flight and watched it on the plane and I haven't seen it. You know, it's the Channing Tatum one with the Mally oh, yeah, that yeah. everybody got upset about. And yep. no, no one should get a Mally. I think everyone should get a Mally. Fuck it. But uh, <laughs> I want to make like a video. Uh, I'm trying to make it a bit sort of nice and cool and sort of cinematic, but I want to make a video about Remy and mm. my experience living with him and show that, like show like he is a dog that can totally live in the house and can do cool things. But I want to show like it took three years or more to get to that point, but also like that's not always the case, you know, and I was talking about it this morning you have a dog that sort of, if you've done protection work with, they've done bite work and that kind of stuff. And if the dog guards the house and someone knocks on the door and the dog is in that level of arousal, that is that protection level of arousal. And then the person leaves, that's why the dog turns around and rips the couch up, mm. right? Because like that arousal has to go somewhere. They can't just dissipate into thin air. It has to be expressed in one way or another. And I want to try and explain that about those kind of dogs. Like you can totally live with them. But you have to do the things. Mm. You can't just be like, here, you go over there and I'm going to be here. It's like, no, you have to let them express their drive in the correct ways. And sometimes something might trigger that drive in a way that you didn't expect. And you have to be in a position to be able to manage that and control it and then give it the outlet at the appropriate time. Mm. Anyway, I'm working on that. There's always a lot of little building blocks. Everything that's got to be considered and everything has to have its place. Mm. All right. What do you say? Before we wrap it up. I got bitten by a dog today. Oh, you did too, yeah. Yeah, you saw it. I showed you on video, but I thought I'd share it with everybody as a learnable or teachable moment because mm -hmm. I'm going to keep it to show my staff. So long story short, what happened was I went to one of our other boarding kennel locations. The reason I went there was because the staff rang me and said they were having trouble getting into the kennel with one of the dogs. It was threatening and posturing. It was a German Shepherd. And I said, yep, no worries. I'll come around. Some of the girls that were there were young staff as well. 
So I thought this will be great to teach them as well. So I said, when I get there, I'm going to teach you what to do. But still, if you feel uneasy in any case, just call me and I'll come around, which I usually do. That's part of my role as I go around and help them get dogs in or out or whatever that are suddenly decided to posture in kennels. And I've been doing that for 12 years. For me, it's a no-brainer. Even if they're wildly aggressive, I can usually easily get them out with as little as conflict as possible. Mm -hmm. And I show the staff how to do it. So I've been teaching people for years how to do it. I'm on my way around there. I get there and they've got a little dog out in the yard. We've got these nicely contained yards and the dog was playing. He was in and out of this little shell pool and then he was pissing around on the yard. I turned up and I said to the girls, what's he like? Is he good? And they said, yeah, he's fine. And it was a Legato, bigger poodle sort of version. Mm -hmm. Legatos can be a bit fucky as well. Sorry, Legato people, but they just can be. Mm -hmm. I looked over the fence. The dog came to the fence wagging his tail. He's sitting there with a happy look on his face. I didn't pat him. I didn't touch him. I didn't do anything. I just opened the gate, went to walk in there. I was in there within seconds. He jumped at my back and then he full on bit me in the leg. Mm-hmm. And I was just lucky, 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 lucky that I'd felt the pinch on my leg. Like I felt him go into the bite and I pulled my leg out of his mouth and I gave him a good clock too. So he, he got clocked by me. But fortunately, there was a dog bed leaning up against the wall where I was. So I grabbed it and just shielded him off. And then the girls are going, oh, my God, oh, my God. And one of them squirted him off with a hose and because he went to have another go. Mm. The girls put him in the kennel and he's fine with them, absolutely fine, no problems at all. And it could be big guy, beard, hat, all of the hallmarks that we talk about, the red flags. But as I said to the girls, they said, how did you remain so calm? And I said, it's not the first time I've been bitten by a dog. For me, it's a Sunday. I've done this as a sport thing for years, so I don't have the adrenaline. And it fucking hurt. I'm not going to downplay it. It hurt. It didn't break skin, but he, he certainly bruised me and gave me a bit of swelling on my leg. But the thing is, as I said to the girls, is look around your environment when these things are happening because we go into panic and we don't look. And I said, there was a bed there which I could grab and use to shield myself to bump him away. And I said, because there's no point in trying to create a conflict where I'm trying to kick him and he's trying to bite me more and me getting hurt and him getting hurt. Continuing the cycle. Right. And then I've got to explain to a client that all they'll hear is that I kick their dog. Yeah. Whereas, in fact, I got bitten by their dog first. But the point is, in those sort of environments, look into your environment before you go into a yard with a dog. Mm. Don't just walk into a yard willy-nilly with a dog before you examine the environment. And you can't take anything for granted. And I kind of did with this little gotto. I looked at him and I thought, he looks pretty passive. There's not nothing really there that I would be alarmed of. He didn't bark. He didn't make any of the usual sort of nervy, aggressive tendencies, but he full went to bite me. I've caught it. I've got it on video. I'm going to use it to educate all the staff. I'm going to show them what to do. It's important that they see these sort of things. And if, if it happens with them too, we've got security videos, not that I want it to, but we use these as teachable moments. You and I started this conversation off about teachable moments. Mm. I want that to continue with these type of things as well. Mm. I showed the NDTF guys. They were appreciative that they got to see my misfortune, and which is their benefit. But these things, no one wants to see anyone get bit by a dog. No one wants to see anyone get hurt by a dog, et cetera, et cetera. Once again, it is a good teachable moment. Mm. The one thing that I want people to learn is a lesson by this, which I was able to do because I kept my cool. I was looking around and it was just fortunate to be there as well. But when I went in there, I considered, I always looked, there was a shell pool to my right and there was a bed to my left. I had that in my memory. So as soon as he bit me and I got him off, I just leaned over, grabbed the bed and put it in front of me and just ushered him away and pushed him towards the kennel. Mm -hmm. And as soon as I did that, had my whinge, I said I was pissed off about it. And then I went out and dealt with the shepherd. And as soon as I went in the shepherd, the aggressive shepherd, I got a bed, I walked in there and the shepherd just ran to the back of the kennel and gave me no grief at all. And yet this was the dog that I was expecting to have some pepper from and yeah. I got bitten by a fucking little legato. Yeah. It was irony. Yeah, that's mm. funny. Yeah, it is. Well, I'm glad you're okay. I'm okay. I've got a little mark on my leg, but that's it. Yeah. Getting bitten by dogs is no fun. It's incredible for just a small little bite, just a tiny, tiny little grab. It's seconds, like I'm telling you. It was just literally seconds. But just because of the pressure that comes from it, yeah, yeah. actually I would have been more pissed off if he ripped my jeans. Because, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, these are- um, Irreplaceable. Well, these are the R and William jeans. Ooh, I like them. They're very comfortable mm. and I really like them and I would have been more pissed off if he ripped my jeans <laughs> than he bit my leg. Oh, dear. That's it. That's it for another episode of the Canine Paradigm. As always, if you like what you hear, like, rate, share, subscribe, do that through whatever subscription service you download us from. Our Insta is growing. Thank yes. you. Thank you, people, for following Glenn us on did Instagram. It. Got the Insta to well, more than 10K. All of, us, all of us did it. We all contributed. No, I didn't do shit. You did it. That's true. <laughs> <laughs> 
Um, you do a whopping job for our Patreon. I'm enjoying that. I'm, yeah, you, I'm back you, to really enjoying yeah. that shit. Yeah, you've done a you've done a big big effort for our Patreon. I had a you know like a weird not a break from dogs, but like yeah, almost right. And um, a sabbatical. Yeah, but mm. I'm back. I'm back yep. with a vengeance. I've, I'm super excited about you got it. The really, you went overseas and you got dogs up your bum again, and you're good <laughs> to go. Dogs up my bum. <laughs> no, I am. I'm super excited about it. I'm really looking forward to next year and all the things that we can achieve. Really want to go hard in the pain in the Patreon and really, you know, keep providing a lot of value to those guys. I've got all the content. I've got lots of things in the works. Yep. I want to take on some bigger projects. I think like what's happened over the last sort of six months or so is, you know, I've developed a pretty decent skill set in the content production. I mm. want to now bring that back into this space, you know, like I want to continue doing the stuff that I started doing a while ago, but didn't quite have the capacity to do. And now I think I do. So anyway, that's all in the future. Stand by on that. If you want to support the show, jump into the Patreon. Yep. Give us a couple of bucks. Yep. Three bucks a month gets you access to a giant backlog of information. 10 bucks is into the live streams and, you know, you could give as much as you want. Mm. The other way to support the show is to jump into spring and get yourself a T-shirt. They're cool. Yes, they Look are. Look cool wearing our merch. It was like you said when you went over to America to the ISCP and saw waves of people out there wearing our gear. Yeah, it's incredible. And it's turn up and other people are wearing your T-shirt, not one that you gave away like that they actually paid money for, which is, yeah. you know, it's a huge honour. Well, I saw a couple of girls wearing the cool story show me your dog. Dallas Berkowitz is one of them. Mm-hmm. I saw her. I filmed it for her Insta and then I played Mondo Rock's Cool World oh, yeah. as the song over yeah, the top yeah. of it because I thought, oh, that was cool of Dallas to wear that. For sure. Yeah. It is. It's always a huge honour when you see people wearing that stuff. Yep, it is. So and the buy stickers, more. The buy stickers, more. I think we're almost out of the thousand clickers we bought. I've got probably half a bag left, which yeah, is right. probably about- Yeah, right. Time to re-up all of our merch supply. Yeah, we've got to get more clickers, stickers. stickers. I've been sticking them everywhere. Let us know what other merch, branded yeah. merch, we should get to give away yeah, to people. Yeah, that's a good idea. Yeah. Slap bands. That's what we need. Oh, you love the slap bands. I want to get yeah. I want to get TCP slap bands. Yeah, you just want to go over when you're having a little drinky <laughs> and go slap. I think it'd be cool. Yeah. All right, so do that. If you want to get in contact with us, the best way to do that is jump into the discussion group in Facebook. Yep. Um, there's lots of cool conversations in there. Just don't be a dick to anyone. Yep. Before we officially wind up, I'd just like to also say thank you to our sponsors. Of course. Yeah. I know we do a little thing at the start, but I do appreciate Einswick. Dan Croft Canine, Rowdy Ham Brand, and Canine Ceuticals for mm-hmm. sponsoring our show. They financially contribute to us being able to make this a free to air podcast. Totally. Yep. If you want to get in touch with us, shoot us an email. We're info at Bye bye.